Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators breakdown coverage of SEC Media Days is brought to you by my bookie. MyBookie will match 50% of your first-time deposit up to $1,000. If you're already a customer, get a 25% reload up to $500. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Just released. The SEC announced the order of finish. All SEC players will have that right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. They planned it out this way, giving you some earlier coverage with Billy Napier and Anthony Richardson. And then at the end of the week, we get the predicted order of finish, all SEC players. And on the Florida side, we'll hear from Richard Garage and Ventral Miller to end the episode as they were at SEC Media Days as well. So some good stuff from those two players. And then also diving in to uh, more SEC talk a little bit, getting the opinions of SEC Network's Peter Burns and Athlon Magazine's Braden Gall. You'll kind of get to hear from those two guys their thoughts on Florida. That's kind of the narrative that was around in Atlanta at SEC Media Days. And that's probably why you can see, you'll be able to see why Florida probably was picked fourth by a lot of the media because what Peter has to say, what Braden had to say, was kind of what you were hearing around as you were talking to various people uh, about Florida uh, around SEC media days. So we'll get to hear from those two guys, their thoughts on Florida and Billy Napier, uh, him taking over for the Gators, some good stuff from those two guys uh, coming up on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, really, really helps us out. Uh, Leave some comments. I'm sure a lot of you either agree or disagree with Florida being picked fourth behind Georgia, behind Tennessee, behind Kentucky and fourth right there in the SEC East. What do you think about it? Leave it in the comments section. Check us out at the home of Gators Breakdown, news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. And then don't forget, ticket giveaway. A lot of talk coming up about that game one versus Utah. Well, you can be there. Join Gators Breakdown Plus, current 
members, new members that sign up between now and August 19th, you will be entered for a drawing for a pair of Florida versus Utah tickets. So uh, if you join, I hope you win. Hope we get to see you there in Gainesville. Uh, so be sure to join. Uh, the link to join Gators Breakdown Plus is in the description. So all right, here we go. Let's throw it up the official order of finish from all the – when we gather uh, there in Atlanta, uh, when you kind of submit that you're going to be there, they, they'll send everybody who attends an email uh, to fill out their order of finish, all SEC. So all the media is there that, that, that is there gets to voice kind of their opinion on the order of finish. So let's go right here. Here's the, here's the official, and then I'll give you how I voted uh, for the order of finish. But here we go. Starting the East, no surprise. Georgia is picked to win the East. Kentucky is second. Coming in third is Tennessee. Florida at number four. South Carolina comes in at five. Missouri at six. And Vanderbilt rounds out the selections for the SEC East coming in last. So Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt. The official predictions right there. Let's move to the West. Alabama, no surprise, comes in at number one. Texas A&M, no surprise there either at number two. Then it gets kind of convoluted a bit. Arkansas at third, uh, at three. Ole Miss comes in at four. The Tigers of LSU, number five. Number six is Mississippi State. And Auburn comes in last of the official predictions for the West. So, you know, taking a look at it, of course, no surprise, Georgia, Alabama, East and West. Alabama was predicted to win the SEC. That's no surprise either, as I think Alabama will be pretty much predicted to win the college football playoff this year. Uh, but no surprise that it is Georgia and Alabama once again picked to win the SEC. The SEC media has gotten it right the last couple of years. They predicted Florida and Alabama two years ago, predicted Georgia and Alabama last year and then Georgia and Alabama again this year. So um, history showed, you know, they don't predict it too well. Us media guys who get to vote on this don't get to predict it too well most of the time, but the last two years have voted it right as far as who wins the East, who wins the West. So Georgia in the East, and there was going to be some question. Who was going to be that number two team? Was it going to be Kentucky? Was it going to be Tennessee? Was it going to be Florida? I didn't think it was going to be Florida. As I said, you'll get to hear from Peter and, and, and Braden their thoughts uh, there. If you go back and look at the preseason magazines, Florida wasn't finished, uh, predicted to finish second either. So when you go and look at it, I didn't think Florida was going to be that second team, maybe possibly third. But there was a lot of hype, a lot of talk between Kentucky, Tennessee, Kentucky gets denied over Tennessee for second place. A lot of a lot of Will Levis love going on there in Atlanta. So that's kind of how you know that one broke out. It didn't wasn't really sure how that was going to go between Tennessee and Kentucky, but Kentucky gets denied uh, there. And the rest, not too much of a surprise. Once Florida was pegged four, you could figure out the rest on your own. South Carolina was going to be five, Missouri six, Vanderbilt seven. Of course, Will and I have talked about this the last couple of weeks on those uh, looking at the preseason magazines. So some of this has kind of been discussed a bit, but we were just waiting to kind of see how the media would vote there in Atlanta. Uh, Alabama, Texas A&M, as I said, no surprise in the West. Um, Arkansas, of course, has been getting a lot of love, too. So really no surprise there. Pick third either. K.J. Jefferson uh, and Sam Pittman there leading the charge as a head coach. But Jefferson there at quarterback getting a lot of love uh, from uh, the media. 
Now, I wasn't sure what was going to happen behind that. Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, all three of those teams getting talked up a good bit there in Atlanta. Of course, LSU and Brian Kelly, the transition there. Uh, Ole Miss losing a whole lot of talent, but still, still being picked fourth as far as the official predictions go. So a bit of a surprise there. I, I, put, I put up the graphic there. So if you're watching on YouTube, you do get that if you're on the other end of uh, the podcast version, trying to explain best uh, there what it looks like. But here we go. Let's go and see how I turned in my ballot here. There are, there are some differences. Let's go to it. I had Georgia winning the East. I had Alabama winning the West. But I did have Florida number two. So I'll, I'll, I'll explain why, of course, probably we'll have to, since it's a bit different than the official prediction there. So, of course, yes, everybody knows I'm a, I'm a Gator fan. <laughs> so no, uh, no hiding that, but I try to be as objective as I can be. And if you guys have listened to Gators Breakdown long enough, you know, when things are pretty close, when they're, it's close to 50-50 or it's 50-50, I try to be as objective as I can, but that's when I'll let the fan in me take over. That's when I will put my orange and blue shades on a bit. The, my fandom is the tiebreaker. My fandom is the tiebreaker. And I really do think Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky are all really right there. They are going to be so close. Maybe even South Carolina. Um, I still got to see a bit more from South Carolina talent-wise. I know they beat the brakes off of Florida last year, but that that really does not weigh that heavy on my mind there. It's still Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky to me. I pick Florida. I really believe in Anthony Richardson. I believe he's going to be a difference maker right here in this Florida offense, year one, and Billy Napier. I think Billy Napier only, knows he's only got one year with the AR more than likely. I don't think there's going to be – Reining him, in, reining him in or anything, I think AR is going to live up to that. I think he's going to live up to the potential that we all think he can be. And that, to me, is the difference maker. It really is that simple for me. I believe Florida's defense will be improved. I know that side of the ball has to improve as well. They will. A better scheme, better coaching, I think, will end up, will, you know, will end up being a difference for the Florida defense, taking that next step up. So I think they take a step up. I think AR is going to be that special player. That is enough for me. Now, is it a projection? Absolutely. But that is enough for me to break that tiebreaker that I kind of do have in my mind of Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky. And honestly, for me, if you look at my – let me go through. Georgia, Florida. I have Tennessee third, Kentucky fourth, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt. I – I think Florida and Tennessee are closer to each other than Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky. I'm not a big Will Levis guy. If you guys follow me on Twitter, I think I might have said this in last week's episode too with Will. 41% of Will Levis's completions last year went to Wondell Robinson. I don't think they replaced that. I think they have to lean on the run game a bit more. I don't think the offense is going to get as open as they like. Now, can Kentucky win a whole lot of ball games with that run game and their hard enough style? Absolutely. They've been doing it for the last few years. But I don't think that puts them ahead of Florida, and I don't think that puts them ahead of Tennessee. Tennessee, I got a lot of questions about that defense. I don't think they take that next step on defense. And then Hooker, I like him at quarterback. But I always go back, and maybe I'm making too much of this. Josh Heupel 
getting off to a fast start at UCF, but then never taking that next step. Pretty much got worse every year at UCF. Now there's a year of film, year of film on that tape, uh, on that offense. There's more tape on that offense this year. It's still going to be a very good offense. I really do believe that. But I got to see Tennessee beat Florida before I put them over Florida. And maybe Florida still beats Tennessee, and Tennessee finishes higher, much like they did last year. You know, Florida can still win that game and finish behind Tennessee. But a lot of people's tiebreakers, and we'll kind of get into that, um, with, with Braden, and we talked about this in the Athlon Magazine preview, they have them all at 4-4. Four and four. They have Florida 4-4, four and four, Tennessee 4-4, four and four, Kentucky 4-4 four and four in the SEC. But overall, docking Florida because of Florida losing to Utah in the opener. I got Florida beating Utah in the opener. And I think that translates. And I, look, I don't think all those teams end up 4-4 four and four either, by the way, in the SEC. So maybe it's my orange and blue shades. Maybe it's my orange and blue glasses a bit. I think it's clear Georgia's won. I don't think much question about that. And I don't think they go undefeated this year. But to me, it is a clear separation from Georgia down to Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky. I don't think there's any question. There's not much question there to me. Now, on the other side, the top two in the West – Agree with everybody else as Alabama, Texas A&M. I have LSU third. I think Brian Kelly comes in instant impact at the head coaching position there at LSU. They still have a lot of talent. Brian Kelly's a really good coach. I think there's too much talent and, and improvement because of coaching that I put them over Arkansas. And I almost – I like Brian Kelly as a coach a lot. I almost put LSU second. I almost did. But I think Texas A&M a little further along with Jimbo – um, that recruiting class now, yes, it was one of the best. But those guys are freshmen. They may have some impact, and that might be enough impact where I put them over LSU. But it's more about Jimbo Fisher being further along, having a lot of talent, a little bit of confidence as well after beating Alabama last year. But putting them second over LSU, I would not be surprised if LSU finished the second. I got Arkansas fourth. As I said, I think LSU is just more talent than Arkansas. I think Brian Kelly's a good coach. He gets that talent together. That's enough for me to put them over Arkansas, who I think will be good. I'm not sure they take that big next step everybody's expecting them to take. Um, I, and I, honestly, I almost put Ole Miss over Arkansas. I like Lane Kiffin as a coach. I think Zach Evans goes there at running back, makes it easier for the, the quarterback position there at Ole Miss uh, to come along. Uh, DJ losing DJ Durkin at DC, him going to Texas A&M is another reason I like A&M a bit too. DJ Durkin was improving that Ole Miss defense as last year went on. I thought they were actually a pretty good defense at the end of last year, but he leaves there. I think that hurts Ole Miss in the end, helps Texas A&M. Pretty much the reason I have Arkansas. I think Arkansas is a little more put together than Ole Miss with what Arkansas has come coming back and what Ole Miss loses. Uh, Mississippi State, I know a whole lot of love for for those guys. Um, and, and Rodgers there at quarterback, but I just I – don't, I don't see it. And, and look, five and six, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, that might come down to the very last week in the Egg Bowl and whoever finishes fifth or sixth. And if it, if it works out that way, according to my predictions, it might come down to that. Auburn at seven, I just think there's a whole lot of question marks there. Love Tank Bigsby at running back, but just so many questions uh, surrounding that team and that program. 
uh, right now. So there you go. That's my predicted order of finish there coming from Atlanta. In the east, my predictions, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and in the west, Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Auburn. So a little, a little bit. I didn't, I didn't go chalk. As I said, may, maybe because of my, my orange and blue glasses and my gator bias right there taking over. But as I said, you guys, if you've listened to me long enough, I've, I've always been truthful. Of If it's close to 50-50, if I see it, that very you know, half-and-half battle, my gator fandom takes over. So, all right, coming up right here on Gators Breakdown, I got to speak with SEC Network's Peter Burns, Athlon Magazine's Braden Gall. With all these predicted order of finishes, you get to hear their thoughts and maybe why everybody was kind of leaning the way they did when they predicted their order of finish. Right here with Peter Burns from the SCC Network. Peter, Billy Napier comes in. I mean, oh, I apologize about the stash. I the stash. Bad. I know it's bad. So yeah, if you I mean, if you're not if you haven't been watching SCC Network coverage, first of all, what have you been doing? But anyway, Peter Burns with his stash right here. Peter, crazy season for Florida last year. Dan Mullen. If, if we were to talk a year ago, we don't, I don't think we would have known we were going to be here a year later. Yeah. And Billy Napier's now the head coach for Florida. So, in a way, kind of take us back a little bit from. What you learned from Florida and Dan Mullen last year, and now fast forward to Billy Napier. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, you know, whenever Dan was hired there, I thought, oh my gosh, it's just a home run hire because of the offense, and that was something that they were trying to, to work on. And, you know, it just goes to show you, no matter how something looks good on paper, sometimes for very different reasons that it doesn't work. And so, you know, that was all eyes are going to be like on who Scott Strickland was going to hire. And, you know, we've been hearing Billy Napier, his name around a bunch of different jobs. But, you know, we always kind of felt like Billy was had it going so well in Lafayette that he was going to take the right job. Right. So he passed on some others until he felt an opportunity of a place that, it's a, it's a place he could win. And so for him to go to Florida was incredible. And what fired me up about it, David, is, is whenever I sat with him in the SEC spring meetings, everything that he said remind me of exactly what Kirby Smart was telling me back in 2016 when he first took over about, hey, I need this, this, and this. And it had nothing to do with on the field. It was stuff behind the scenes. It was an infrastructure of a program. He learned that from Saban. Uh, Kirby learned it from Saban, and look at the success he had. And now that you look at what, you know, um, that Billy's trying to build, I think Scott Strickland said, go ahead, go get it done. And, I, and that's why I want Gator fans to be a little bit patient, because it's going to be tough right off the, off the bat for him. But it's the infrastructure, the stuff we don't see on the field, that's going to be the key to success for that program going forward. Peter, you said you maybe a little bit of patience or whatever. How are you grading – Florida with that early season schedule, Utah, Kentucky, right off the bat. You know, what are you kind of looking for from the team? Is is it wins losses or how, you know, or is it more than that? No, I mean, I, I think it's development of Anthony Richardson. I think it's the development of of having some fun on offense. I mean, think about you know Lane's first year at Ole Miss. They got better in year two because that offense was fun. Josh Heupel, there's a lot of hype around that program because it was fun. And when I think Florida football, going back to Spurrier or back to you know the days that Urban had it ripping and stuff, it's like you watch Florida because it was fun. It was fun football. How do you get back to that, right? Um, and so for me, it, it's not really a wins or loss season. I really don't care. I mean, now, of course, if you go 2-10, and 10, let's have a different discussion about this. But 
to me, this is a true year zero situation where you're not trying to build this for a Band-Aid. Like, you, you have to go in there, have some surgery, and, like, build yourself in a foundation. And I'm really fascinated, David, about what's going to be going on between LSU and Florida. Because Scott Woodward could have hired, you know, Billy Napier right down the road in Lafayette. He decided, nope, we're not really even interested. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how those two programs go with the hiring of Brian Kelly, um, you know, and Napier to see which direction they go four or five years from now. Talk about the potential for Florida. If Anthony Richardson, you know, we we hear maybe even top 10, top five draft pick. If he lives up to that, where do you think Florida could end up? Well, I mean, I think that's a team that can go nine and three this year, but he has to have an incredible season. And, and I don't know. I mean, that's, that's one thing that is a big question mark. Um, And, you know, even like KJ Jefferson, I felt like I learned a lot about him. Anthony Richardson, I haven't seen him healthy enough to really understand what he has. I've seen glimpses of it, but you know, a couple of uh, you know quarters or a couple of series doesn't make an SEC football season. I mean, it's it's so long, so um, it's going to be a marathon for me, and I, and I can't wait to see how they're going to make him pop in this offense. And, and if he does, and sky, sky's the limit because guys are going to want to come play football for that program. Last thought from me, Peter. SEC East versus SEC West. How do, how do you grade SEC East? Are, are they catching up to the West a bit? I mean, it's going to be very competitive behind Georgia. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but there, are, there is a clear separation. It's Alabama. It's Georgia. But how do you kind of go behind those two teams? I, I still think, I mean, I feel like I know what maybe the lower tier of the East is going to be, meaning I think it's probably going to be Vanderbilt. It may be Missouri um, on that aspect of it. I can't find who the worst team of the SEC West is. I mean, I, I think it's Alabama, and then it's everybody else is tied for second in, in that division. So, I mean, you can go down and say it's probably the most uh, amount of talent that you've seen in one division in a long, long time. Maybe since we've ever gone to division since 1992. So for me, I, I still lean SEC West uh, this year, but I mean, the East is coming as well too. And, and that's why Billy's such a huge hire that they need to hit because football is better when Florida's better. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Braden Gall from Athlon Magazine. Braden, preseason magazine's been out on the shelves a little bit. Of course, Florida comes in unranked in the uh, Athlon Magazine. What uh, what behind decision? How hard was it to look? Because those teams are right around 25 to 35. You could shuffle up in pretty good bit. But what was the kind of decision as you guys got together, maybe not to have Florida ranked this time? So I think you have to kind of put them all into perspective here. Like you have to put like Ole Miss into the group and LSU into the group and Florida into the group. And I mean, to some degree, Arkansas, Mississippi State and Tennessee all into a group. Because I think I literally I think they're all within 23 and 30 in the magazine. So like we're, we're talking about we, we sat down, had this big conversation and basically thought that they're all about the same. Who has the best pieces in the right places and is further along in their development process? And I think that's why Tennessee, with the quarterback, Kentucky, with the, the program that's culturally built. I think Arkansas, same thing with KJ Jefferson. I, I really like Mississippi State. I think Florida's a no-brainer number four in the East. I think they're better than South Carolina. I'm not sure what people are seeing on the depth chart for South Carolina, 
that tells them that they should be you know ahead of Florida. I, I've heard some people say Florida at two in the East. That's a little rich for my blood, but I can I can see the argument that if Anthony Richardson hits and Billy Napier's culture takes root and you pull a couple upsets in tough games early in the season, then all of a sudden you're eight and four and you've overachieved and you finish second in the East. So that was sort of the line of thinking is I'm not sure they're going to beat Utah. Maybe they split with Kentucky and Florida and Tennessee, and if they do that, you know Georgia beats them later on, and maybe LSU gets you. That's a swing game. I, I think seven and five is where we put them. I could see them being better than that, but I think top thirty is still really fair for Billy Napier in his first season, in my opinion. That was sort of our line of thinking. Was honestly, there's just swing game after swing game after swing game for all of these teams. And we haven't even seen Billy Napier coach a game yet. And I think that's sort of benefited the doubt for the guys who have been there longer. Yeah, and talking around here, a lot of people think it's Kentucky, it's Florida, it's Tennessee, kind of are jumbled together. And in your guys' magazine, I think all three, you guys had four and four in the conference. But yep. I guess Florida seven and five, the Utah game comes into play a little bit right there. Um, if Anthony Richardson does live up to the potential, like, like you said, do you, can that be enough for Florida to finish second? I think so. Like again, the flashes I saw from him that we all saw from him in those moments when he's running for 92 yards or whatever. Like, I think if that if that all comes to to, to fruition and he lives up to the top 10 NFL draft stop, like again, I think I, this is one of those silly things where I put out my rankings for quarterbacks and I had Anthony Richardson at five on my quarterback list in the SEC, like ahead of Stetson Bennett, who's won the national championship, um, and just behind guys that are already kind of established: Hendon Hooker, Will Rogers, KJ Jefferson, Bryce Young. I think that's about where he could finish. And if he finishes fifth as the fifth best quarterback, let's say, then I think that's seven and five. If he's better than that and he is transcendent and it's quick that we see how transcendent he is, then I think that could be the difference. That's the difference. Again, when we're talking swing games, we are talking about a play, maybe a penalty, maybe a turnover. We're talking about one small thing that changes the outcome of a game. And if you're talking about an LSU game, a Kentucky game, a Tennessee game, you look down the schedule and it's just a lot of swing games. Even if you handle your business against South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and like some of the lower-level teams, like I, you're talking about one play, and is Anthony Richardson good enough for that? Absolutely. So if he lives up to top ten status and is, you know, lives up to the fifteen on his chest that the other guy used to wear, and plays like that, which he has the skills to be, also another former quarterback, Cam Newton, very similar. If he lives up to that kind of expectation, then that that's where they can finish second. Because to your point. We have them all at four and four. We're basically down to tiebreakers at that point, and that's a loss to Tennessee on the road, basically. So Billy Napier, the been talk and around ACC media days too. Yeah, you've turned down Auburn, you've turned down South Carolina. Do you think the time? He, he talks about timing and Florida being kind of the perfect job at the perfect time. Do you think it was him worth waiting this time to get this Florida job? Do you, do you think he just end up making the right decision instead of rushing into one of those other jobs? Hundred um, percent, and I—I I think I've told this story maybe to you before. I interviewed Billy Napier like the week he took the Louisiana job, as a, he was coming. Out, I think it was an assistant at Arizona State at the time, and he took the job. It was right before early signing period, and I was like, "All right, coach, what's your what, what is the strategy for how you're going to approach the guys who have already committed?" But are, you know, you don't know, you don't have time to evaluate them. What's the what's the how are you going to approach that? And he goes, "We're not signing a single player," and I thought that was interesting. But it was extremely intentional, is what it told me. And Billy Napier is extremely intentional, if nothing else. And that is the, the process, attention to detail, be prepared for every single moment of every day, so that when that moment does come, 
you've already processed all the analytics in your head. You already know what the percentages are, and I, I already am comfortable with my decision in this moment because I prepared for it. And it's what makes him really cerebral and really really interesting as a coach. It's why he turned Mississippi State turned on the Mississippi yep. State job as well. So this is why he waited. He was in Louisiana. Like with LSU right there, and some of that was on LSU's side of things. But like again, like to take Florida when they're getting their facilities in line to convince the administration of the things that they need to implement to be better, to get them to say yes, and more importantly, to explain why that you're spending eight million dollars on these players over here, these people, or these assistants, or this structure, or whatever. To be able to articulate all of that and explain it and convince people of that tells me all I need to know about the kind of organizational structure he's going to run. I think he's a great hire. I think long-term he's got more upside than even Brian Kelly. I think in the short-term Brian Kelly will be better at Louisiana, at LSU because I think he's just you know he's better prepared for it and LSU's got a better roster maybe, but not necessarily a quarterback. But I think Billy Napier's upside is, like I, if you're looking for a guy like, I know Josh Heupel's recruiting extremely well for Tennessee, and I know Mark Stoops is doing a great job. But if you're looking for the program combination with the coach and the geography to to rise up and challenge Georgia the next three years, let's say, to me it's Billy Napier in Florida. There you go. Those guys, as I said, kind of gave you a general feeling of what was around Atlanta and everybody talking Florida. No matter if I was on Radio Row uh, talking to different podcasts and, and radio shows out there, uh, I was on with – with Braden and his show as well uh, there for, for Athlon and what, and what he has going there in Nashville. And you could just kind of tell they, they, they like Billy Napier. They like the direction of the program, but they don't expect big results in year one and kind of lended itself there uh, in the SEC predicted order of finish. And of course, you know, I had to ask the question, the ceiling of Anthony Richardson, does that come into play a bit? If it does, you can kind of tell from those guys, too. You know, things get a little bit interesting if Anthony Richardson's able to play up to the, the ceiling and the potential that we put on him and then elevate the play of everybody around him. The defense takes a step up. You know, Florida could be uh, one of those uh, surprise teams uh, in the SEC East. All right, so before we get to all SEC, Richard Garage, Ventrell Miller, Gators Breakdown SEC Media Day coverage is brought to you by MyBookie. College football season is around the corner, and you know what that means. Spreads, money lines, props galore. With the first slate of games approaching, you want to know who to watch. What are the matchups? And most importantly, who or who not to bet on? There are live odds right now to be bet on at MyBookie.ag. Either way, you can get started. It's very simple. My bookie will match 50% of your first time deposit up to $1,000. And if you're already a customer at My Bookie, get a 25% reload up to $500. So, whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to college football, there's never been a better time to join the My Bookie family. That's why they are Gators Breakdown's preferred sports book. Go ahead, sign up today using promo code SEC Media. To secure your first deposit up to a thousand dollars with my bookie. Also, you can scan that QR code for the same deal. So whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to a thousand dollars, giving you all the funds you need to bet this season. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Okay, now let's take a look at the preseason all SEC and where the Florida Gators finished. In that regard, I'm not going to go through the uh, the whole All SEC 
Uh, we've done enough of that through the preseason magazines. Uh, just going to give you right here where the Gators were as far as the All-SEC. Five Gators were tabbed on the preseason All-SEC. The league announced on Friday, Florida has a total of four defensive players. Not, not a lot of surprise there. Brenton Cox, Trey Dean, Jervon Dexter, Ventrell Miller. Brenton Cox was second team. Dexter, third team. Miller, third team. Trey Dean, third team. Torrance was first team. All SEC offensive linemen. Not a lot of surprise there. That's where I had him pegged. Uh, my list looked very similar to this. Uh, I did not put Trey Dean on there. I had Jason Marshall uh, as the defensive back I selected for Florida. And look, when you rank these, you don't rank them by by what team. So, you know, they, they tally all the votes, and then they put however many votes the players got if they're first team, second team, third team. Um, so I think you do rank them, though. So some positions are, actually, you know, obviously like offensive line, defensive line, you have to vote for eight guys. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a kind of how it's broken up. But I did have Osiris Torrance number one on my, on my list. I think he's a shoe-in for sure uh, there for the uh, Gators and uh, having a first-team offensive lineman. I did have Brenton Cox on my list. I did have Dexter on my list. I did have Miller on my list. But as I said, I added Jason Marshall. I did not have Trey Dean uh, on my list. But interesting, the SEC media out there uh, making thinking very highly of Trey Dean. But let's start right here. Lord Osiris Torrance, he collects another preseason honor as he was named preseason All-American by Phil Steele, Sporting News, and Walter Kemp. The transfer from Louisiana, he was Sean Alexander, freshman All-American then, two-time Joe Moore Award semifinalist, 2021 first-team All-Sun Belt selection, helped the Raging Cajuns offense rank tied for 10th nationally and first in the Sun Belt in rushing touchdowns with 34, tied 18th in the country in total touchdowns with 58, Conference leaders and tied 23rd nationally in first downs with 313. Leading the defense, of course, is Brenton Cox Jr. on the team best in tackles for loss with 14 and a half last season, eight and a half sacks, and 12 quarterback hurries. Started all 13 games last year for the Gators. And remember all this while he was injured. Started all those 13 games for the Gators last year, playing injured, posted back-to-back games against Florida State and UCF with four tackles for loss totaling a loss of 48 yards in the final five games of last year. Cox had 20 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, seven sacks, six quarterback hurries. Earning his third straight postseason nod, Ventrell Miller returns after missing the majority of last year due to injury. He has played in 38 career games for the Gators, posting 166 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, and six pass breakups. The Lakeland native, also is a two-time SEC academic honor roll, re- honor roll recipient and SEC Defensive Player of the Week. In his freshman season, he recorded an 82-yard interception return for a touchdown against Idaho for the ninth longest in school history. Adding another preseason accolade, Dexter was named preseason All-American by Sporting News and Walter Camp as well. Started nine games, appeared in all 13 while ranking fifth in tackles with 51, the junior had 12 multi-tackle performances, including two games with nine versus Alabama and UCF. He finished ranking second on the team with seven quarterback hurries. 
And rounding out the Gator selections, Trey Dean, the third, led the team in tackles with 91, pass breakups, nine, four-time SEC academic honor roll member, 12 multi-tackle games last year, including three outings with 11 tackles. In his four seasons with Florida, he has accounted for 178 career tackles, 20 pass breakups, nine tackles for losses, four and a half sacks, and four interceptions. So there's your look. Um, you know, going through it, no surprise, Osiris Torrance's first team. Britton Cox getting second team. There was a lot of love from him. As I said, you go around, you get to talk to various people, various media members around uh, Britton Cox. I think there is the realization of there is a next step, but ending last year on such a high note. And then there was you know, the thought as well of playing injured, and there may be a next step. Now, we also – no, and we've hit on it. We've had him on Gators Breakdown and, and, and through the Gator Collective and stuff of, you know, him needing to take that next step as far as setting that edge, being a more dependable player. Uh, it's going to be a little different role. Uh, he's going to be more that outside linebacker uh, type for the Gators. Um, I think they're going to definitely use his pass rush specialty to get to the quarterback. There's going to be, uh, I think, a difference. More roles set for that. But if he wants to be an every-down player, be on the field a bit more, course and have to play the run game better ventral miller also no surprise there of him being on you know, sixth year <laughs> of course playing football uh being injured last year he was getting a lot of love last year as well of course uh, that transfers over uh, to this year as well and then trading you know one more player we want to see take that next step has done some nice things but we need, need to see that elevation uh, of a game in his last go around his last year at florida maybe this defensive backfield led by Patrick Tony and Corey Raymond uh, back there, more specifically for his position, Patrick Tony, tap into something with trading to help take that next step. So as we said, some nice plays have been made, uh, but also terrible angles, missed tackles, communication issues, not necessarily all on trading. We'll see what the new coaching staff comes in and is, uh, and, and is able to kind of untap there with trading. So there you go. You're all SEC Gators for this year. So, all right, let's go back. Let's go back to SEC Media Days. We heard earlier this week from head coach Billy Napier. We heard from quarterback Anthony Richardson. Well, offensive lineman Richard Garage was also there. Ventrell Miller was also there. And we'll start with Richard Garage. We're going to start in the private session that we had with him uh, before – they told the players to, to to head down to the main media room. So we'll start in a private session, and then we'll get into the more uh, professional setting there in the main media rooms. Here is Richard Garage starting with his thoughts on quarterback Anthony Richardson. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ever since he came on campus, I just knew he was always going to be a leader. Um, he just waited his turn, and 
he's going to maximize his opportunity this year. What seemed, what if anything has seemed different about him this offseason? Because obviously the role is different. Yeah, he just more mature, more maturity. Uh, he know that this this is his year to make his debut and stuff like that. And he just know that there's a lot of pressure, but he's gonna he's gonna up, he's gonna live up to that. Hey Richard, talk about Osiris Torrance and the importance of bringing him in. Was he like another coach out there since he was with this coaching staff before? Uh, so first off, Coach uh, Osiris is a great player. I'm glad he's I'm glad he's on my team. He makes he makes our job a lot easier. I feel bad for the defense, uh, but having him as having having him on on a, on a team is has been phenomenal. Um, great great player, great character. No no complaints about him. Did you rely on him since he knew a lot about this staff? Did you go to him for you know, any insight? Uh, for the first couple of weeks, of course, because he's he's a veteran in that offense, um, but. More we got, more we got closer and closer. He 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 tell me his tendencies and tell me not what not to do. So it's always good to piggyback from different offensive linemen and stuff, like that, and trying to increase my game and I could definitely increase his game. What did, what did it mean to uh, get called to come on this trip? Oh man, it's, I'm I'm still shaking. <laughs> I'm still shaking. It's it's truly a blessing, man. It's truly a blessing to hear from the guys that they call me a leader on this team because I work my tail off. And it's no better feeling than the guys definitely awarding you, telling you like this guy's a leader, like this guy does everything right, and it's 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 it's, it's great. It's a great feeling. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. I know you you've always had those leadership qualities too, but you, you to to lead with this team, you also have to buy into what's happening. Like, what do you feel like has made you step up and, and get guys to kind of just get with the program? Uh, like Coach always says, man, you always got to believe. So I just believe in the system. I just believe that Coach. Always has a plan. Uh, even Rob Sale or Coach Coach Stapleton or Coach Napier, uh, they all have a plan. So as long as everybody buy in and do their part, we should be successful. What have you been focusing on this offseason, just in terms of personal work and trying to improve? Uh, just more of leadership, definitely for the younger guys, because you never know who we need. Um, yeah. It could be the third string quarterback, or it could be the backup kicker. You never know. You never know who we might need. So um, I've definitely been working on my leadership. Communication is very key. And uh, trying to trying to upbring the the freshmen and stuff like that. And, and you, and obviously, I think most folks know you guys as top linemen. What do you think of some of the freshmen and just the young guys? And like, are there any ones that have like stood out to you or just uh, really all of them? All of them. They are they're 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 eager to work. Especially Jalen Farmer. Shout out Jalen Farmer. Uh, he's he's eager to work, man. He's always in coach's office. It, it makes me proud, like a big brother. Like, <laughs> he's living upstairs and asking coach, "What can I do?" Even the coach is getting annoying and yeah. don't want it. But it's great to see a young guy definitely um, maturing like that. For sure. Um, another guy that I, uh, I think took some strides in the spring was Austin Barber. Oh yeah. Um, what has he done to kind of like step up and, and, and show that he can be a guy that can be counted on? Austin Barber. He's just he's always been working. Uh, definitely taking him my wing <laughs> consider myself big bro to him um, when, he, when he's doing something wrong I tell him when he's doing something right I, I encourage him I, I show a lot of praise to him but that kid works absolutely hard on and off the field and he does everything right so what, uh, what differences in this offense do you like uh, 
I mean, there's no really difference from last year and this year. Uh, we're we're going to run that ball, and that's what we like to do. Your, your transition from you know being that guard, finding a place to play mm-hmm. the first year, and then kicking out to the outside last year, man, different different ball game on the edge, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Going against a guy that's 250 and then going against a guy that's 310. I mean, it's a big difference, and I mean, it, 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 it definitely helps my game in the long run. Um, showing them versatile to play guard if the team needs me to play left tackle if the team needs me. So whatever whatever I can do to make the team. Successful. Yeah. Did you face Will Anderson last yeah, year? Yeah. I, I thought you got some, some reps against him. I mean, that's a different animal. Oh, yeah, man. All praise to Will Anderson, man. He's definitely a great player. Uh, I know he's going to do great things this year, and uh, I just wish success for him. Everybody looks at you as a, as a, as a known commodity. Mm-hmm. They know what they got, they know they can rely on you. On the other side, the right tackle is sort of an open man. What have you sort of done to help Mike's mindset and what development have you seen out of him? Michael Tarkin, he's. When you tell it, when you when you talk about a guy that does everything right, that shows up on, that shows up on time, that does everything, what a coach asks, but you can't ask for anymore. He's, he's the hardest worker I've probably seen so far. And it's, it's just it's great to see it. Um, it's great to see it from the point of, from my point of view. Uh, I know that he's going to do great things this year and. I'm glad he had an opportunity to showcase his talents. Can you give me an example of like, uh, something that you saw this summer, this spring, where you're like, hey, Mike, Michael last year maybe doesn't do that or doesn't make that play? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, so last year he's basically the same thing. He, this this year he just got an opportunity just to start and then de- uh, have a debut of um, claiming his legacy at right tackle. But in all season, uh, he always staying upstairs and talking to coach or or in the training room. Shout out to Paul, um, always in the training room, um, getting treatment and stuff like that. Little stuff like that, trying to keep increase his game and staying fresh. Staying Who's some last Who are some of the beasts in summer workouts? Say it again. Who are some of the beasts in summer workouts? Well, I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna have to put myself up there, but <laughs> shout out, shout out to uh, Kingsley walking man, that man, the center, 65. If you guys don't know. The man's gonna turn heads this year, definitely. Uh, he's a he's an animal, man. He's the hardest worker I've probably seen so far. And I love that. That's, that's my little brother, man. It seems like you've got a lot of positive things to say about your O line. Oh yeah, 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 man. We got, we, I mean, even Ethan White right on the left side with you. Oh yeah, that's my boy, man. <laughs> We grew, up, we grew up together too, so it's, it's even better. And, uh, to, uh, and real quick, what did you think about Princely uh, putting up 700? Oh, man, uh, I got a lot of work to do over there. <laughs> well, thank you guys for uh, having me. Uh, it's definitely a blessing to be here. Uh, shout out to all my teammates, Kingsley, especially the bigs, man. Kingsley, Guacan, Ethan White, um, Tor- uh, Sabo, and uh, Michael. Uh, Michael Tarquin. Uh, describe the dynamic of having two offensive line coaches. You know, something Napier has brought in that's not necessarily uh, around a whole lot, but now you have two coaches that you can rely on. Uh, having those two offensive line coaches has been definitely phenomenal, um, even for the rookies and even for the vets. Um, just giving diff- just getting um, different point of views and how to increase your game and just getting different coaches has been uh, great so far. Right here, the second row on the aisle. Anthony Patterson with the Atlanta Voice. In the Florida Georgia rivalry, both teams always say that's the most physical game of the year. For you, what? who are your toughest opponents or most physical opponents that you can remember? And what do you remember about it? Uh, 
every game is always tough. Uh, being in the SEC, we're playing against the best guys in the, in the country. Uh, that's why we play SEC ball. Um, it's just preparing us for the next level and stuff like that. Go back on the front row here. Michael, your teammate says that Coach Napier isn't so much a shouter or a yeller, but you can see it in his face when he's serious. And oh, you know, when it, <laughs> how would you describe him? Man, every time he's disappointed, it's, it's like a it's like a disappointed dad a little bit. He's like a, come on, man. I'm like, all right, I know what I did wrong. <laughs> so, we uh, having him on the team has been very phenomenal for the guys, and um, he's a great leader. We'll go over to the right side, fourth row. Ventrell also talked about how Coach Napier is bringing, making guys bring in pen and paper. Mm -hmm. Is that um, how has that process been for you, and kind of what other changes has he maybe brought to this team, um, being a first-year coach here? Uh, so Coach Napier always uh, preached that we should always bring pen and paper because um, that's very important to uh, write down. He says um, writing it down definitely. Um, you can take in the process, you can take in the information, and always remember uh, looking at that paper. Um, he just always preaches, uh, just taking it day by day, really, and um, just keep getting each other better. Don't worry about the future, just just keep getting better. That's his overall message. To the left side. Richard, as a unit, you guys got off to a great start last year. You pushed around Alabama, pushed around Tennessee the very next week, and kind of the wheels fell off. What's gonna what's it gonna take to be more consistent and take that next step? Um, to be honest with you, it starts. It started January. Uh, we hold we we hold everybody accountable. Uh, we we know our flaws from last year um, and our and our big mistakes. Um, and this year we have a lot of veteran guys, and we know that we can't do the same thing we did last year to have a positive result this year. So we always just take initiative about. Um, having minor mistakes and uh, being very critical on their on their assignments and stuff. You've started at two different positions on the line. Is it important to be able to start at more than one position as you're developing as a player? Oh, absolutely. It shows that I'm very versatile for sure. Um, it, it helps my game and uh, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to do anything to help my team for sure. Do you have a preference, guard or tackle? Uh, whatever it can help me, uh, whatever, whatever I can do to help the team. Okay. Back here on the left side. You mentioned Kingsley a while ago when we, when we talked to you. Go in more depth about your relationship with him. It really seems like, you know, he's really a friend and somebody you can rely on now. Oh, yeah, that's like my little brother, man. Uh, that's the guy that he works his, he works his tail off. He earned his position for sure. Um, he's going to definitely make a, a big statement this year. And um, we just been getting after it. And, been pushing each other to be great. Right side, front row. Hey, uh, what is the one game on Florida's schedule you can pick out and say, I'm the most excited about that one, and why? Every game. Every game is a, is a, um, every game we were always trying to prove something. Uh, last year we fell short, and every game we have to take it uh, game by game for sure. So every game is, we take it serious, like the national championship. Right here in the aisle, second row. What is it like to have Anthony Rich set QB and leading the team? What what is, stands out to him? Oh man, Anthony Richardson, he's very athletic. Um, he's definitely a leader. I knew when he first came here, um, he was going to do great things for sure. Um, he's just been doing everything right. Um, wherever coach asks, he do. 
Um, I know he, he always stays after practice and uh, watching film with Coach Naper. So it shows that um, he's taking initiative being that leader and that quarterback starting role. What, what are your favorite things about the Swamp? Is it that the students are right behind the opposing team? Is it the heat that kind of wears people out too? Uh, I mean, what is it? Something about that heat, man. Does something, does something to the other team. Um, having 12 guys on the field, uh, including the fans. The fans are the 12th guy, for sure. Um, the stadium be packed. Um, it just be loud. And I know the fans always, um, the fans always want us to do great. Go ahead. Rich, you just mentioned the heat. Well, Utah's got to come in and face that heat game one. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, what are you looking for for a big game to get everything started? Uh, absolutely. It's, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be a hard fought game for sure. Uh, respect to that program. Um, we just got to take it. We just got to control what we control for sure. Um, take it one play at a time and uh, execute our game plan. Go on the left side, fourth row. Yeah. I've heard it said tradition never graduates. Putting on that Gator jersey, uh, I know that rivalry that you have with Georgia and Auburn over the years, LSU, you name it. Yep. Everybody says, this game's a big game, this one's not. What about try losing one in a place like Florida? It's big. What's it been like with Billy Napier coming in here? He's, he's learned from Dabo, learned from Nick Saban and his father, that mm -hmm. influence on there. He's brought a lot of new people in, but you're still representing the University of Florida. Off-season, strength and conditioning, all that. Who are some of the leaders that have stepped up with this new Gator culture? Um, are you saying from the coaches or the players? Players. Uh, from the players, uh, me, my, uh, myself, um, Jervon Dexter, you got Kingsley Aguakin, you got uh, Anthony, Richards, Anthony Richardson. The list goes on, man. Best, uh, the veteran guys um, definitely know the, the Gator standard. Um, what to live by, and uh, they've been doing a great job so far. Okay, we'll go ahead and left side still. A new season always brings a new slate, and with Billy Napier as y'all's coach, he brings a new slate in too. Mm -hmm. How good is it to kind of have a fresh start with a head coach and a fresh start with a new season right on the horizon? Oh man, it's it's it's, it's great because uh, I truly believe I truly believe that Coach Napier definitely have a plan. Um, he'll never put us in a bad situation. He's definitely, he's, man, there's so much things I can say about coach. He's definitely a player's coach. Definitely a player's coach. There's a lot of confidence there oozing from Richard Garage about his teammates on the offensive line. And I think he should be confident. You guys, through this whole offseason, we have been talking this group up. Uh, I, I hope it's warranted. I think it's warranted. There's a lot of experience up front. They played really well at times last season. Was there a dip in production? Did they keep it up all year? Yeah, of course, you can question all of that, but don't necessarily think it was all on them. There were some injuries there that they had to deal with, but I think the staff last season abandoned the run game too much. Yes, there were stacked boxes, and but I think offensive staff last year overthought that thought. Stacked boxes because quarterback play was lacking, of course. Last staff didn't give enough opportunities to let them just go out there and take over a game. I think they could have done that. Even stack boxes, I think they could have gone. They just have to try to play number, get the numbers game too much. Now, some of that's on the quarterback, checking out of run plays because of the stack box. I know all that goes into it as well. But there were just times I think they should have just told them what the plan was, go out there and let's let them take over in certain situations. Relied too much on the quarterback that couldn't get the job done. They could have made the job even easier on the quarterback out there. But, you know, of course, could have played Damian Pierce a bit more too. 
Yeah, I think that um, – I think some of the worry, if you have a lot of worry about this offensive line, it would be limited had the staff stuck with them a bit more last year, played the better running back. Are they limited? Yeah, but I do think they – I do think they had another gear, another step last year. We saw it versus Alabama. We saw it versus Tennessee. It did kind of fall off after that. Florida ran the ball okay. Still sort of stuck with it a bit more. I think the yardage and the stats and stuff would have been a, a bit better. Just really think they could have been relied on a bit more last year. We know depth is an issue. I'm not going to lie about that. We've talked about that all offseason as well. But the first six, seven guys, you know, they have a chance to be really good. There's a little bit of depth there. Depth is the worry. They have to stay healthy. Just Florida offensive line is going to live up to the expectation I'm putting on them. Because when you go and look left or right at the experience, Richard Garage, there at left tackle, a whole lot of experience on that left side playing left guard as well. Speaking of left guard, you got Ethan White, who played really well before injury last year. Kingsley, of course, getting a whole lot of love as well. We'll get into that in just a second. Then Torrance right there at right guard. I mean, you start with those four players right there. Florida has a ton of experience that they, they can rely on. Guys who've played a lot of snaps in SEC play and have done pretty well. Is there another step? Absolutely. Can they go out there and dominate like we saw them in the first half of last year? I hope so. I mean, this coaching staff has been known up front with Rob Sell and Darnell Stapleton to develop NFL players. There's some offensive linemen from Louisiana playing in the NFL. I mean, I think the potential is there. Hope the staff can develop them fast enough. There's a little bit of differences in the in the run game. You're still going to run the ball, as you heard Garage say, but there's you know, more zone zone style runs there, outside zone style runs there that will be a little different than last year. And I think one thing that really caught. Really caught my attention. We see the love from Garage towards Kingsley. And it's, there, there's, there's preseason national love for uh, Kingsley as well. We'll get into that. He was named to the Remington watch list. And we discussed Torrance being all preseason first-team first SEC, but Kingsley getting love there as well for his position group. And more details on that, that award is handed out to the nation's best center in college football. Selection to the watch list was from the awards committee working with Pro Football Focus to narrow down its list of top 40 centers. PFF grades every player on every play of every game on how well they execute their given assignment. That play-by-play grading allowed the trophy committee to create a watch list based both on nominations from schools and data provided by PFF. Last season, Eglacon started all 13 games at center, helped the offense stay in the top 16 in total offense all year. He led a line that only allowed 14 sacks, 1.08 per game, and tied for the seventh lowest in FBS and second in the SEC. Florida's offensive line also ranked 23rd nationally in rushing yards per game at 208.7, and as the Gators averaged 5.5 yards per carry to rank first in the SEC and fourth in the country. Florida has produced one winner of the award in Marquise Pouncey in 2009 
as Mike DeGorey was a finalist in 2005. So go back to the stats, and this kind of goes back to an earlier point that I made. We know the stats, but average 5.5 yards per carry, a lot of people are going to look at the offensive line helping the run game. Okay, imagine what if Damian Pierce was out there. We saw his average. We saw all the touchdowns that he was getting last year. You would have added to that 5.5 yards per carry had Damian Pierce been out there. 208 yards per game. How, imagine how much higher that would have been had AR been playing more, had Damian Pierce been the running back. Like I said, there, there's a lot of potential just based off of even the struggles of last year. There are things you can point to. It wasn't all terrible. Overall, was it terrible? Yes, but you can pinpoint things. And that run game at times last year was one of those. So, right, there's Richard Garage. Had fun discussing and talking with him there at SEC Media Days. Before we wrap up, one more linebacker, Ventrell Miller. Why don't you tell us how the practice in the spring has gone and how you're looking forward to the SEC East this year? Uh, spring, spring went, went, went by well. Uh, this, this summer has been going good. Uh, everybody has been keeping their head down, coming out to work every day, getting better. So I'm looking forward to this season. We'll go here to your left. Hey, Ventrell, you missed last year, of course. How tough was it not being on the field and, you know, your team, seeing your team struggle uh, through the whole year? Uh, definitely devastating. I can't, I can't be out there with my boys uh, going to war with them. But uh, time on roll, we, we had a new year, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this season and, and being out there this year. We'll go to your right here on the third row. Ventrell, what can you say about Christian Robinson as a coach, and, and how much have you communicated with him since his move to Auburn? Uh, that's still that's still my boy. Uh, coach Rod did did a great job just building a relationship while he was at Florida. Uh, great guy, uh, but yeah, he's a great guy. That's all, I, pretty much. What kind of uh, play style does he sort of encourage from the linebacker position? How would you describe his coaching ability? Uh, he, he won the hard nose. He wants you to go out there and fly around, um, be physical, with, with taking on blocks, uh, hitting people. He, he liked physicality, so, and just flying around. Okay, we'll go on the row behind. Nicole, KBTX College Station. What does uh, Billy bring to the team, and how is just the – Practices, workouts, meetings have been with him. Uh -huh. uh, Coach Nate Perry has uh, done a great job just emphasizing um, accountability. Um, also, with uh, team teamwork, uh, bringing the team together, he's, he's emphasized that, uh, building relationships. And, and I feel like that's a big thing that he's brought in. Um, also, uh, pen and paper to everywhere you go, so getting used to that. Go to your left here. Coach Bateman's now your, 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 your position coach. What's been your assessment of him so far? Uh, coach Bateman has done a great job. Just, I feel like, getting us prepared, uh, teaching us the playbook. Um, he's uh, emphasize, emphasizing um, the techniques and stuff in his drills. So Coach Bateman has done a great job so far. You say a pen and a paper everywhere. What, what is that process that you guys do? Uh, so whether it's meetings, team meetings, all that type of things, uh, you, you're required to have a pen and paper uh, and write down things that you, that you feel like you need, needs to be written down uh, so you can remember. Okay. Front row question. Hey, Jacques Doucet, WAFB, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Is LSU the most heated rivalry the Florida Gators have? Uh, I feel like I, I, it's, a, it's a very intense uh, rivalry. Uh, I say it's out of LSU and Georgia. LSU and Georgia, I say. In the last, the last two years, 
you guys have come up a little bit short against uh, against LSU. What are your thoughts on on playing them this year in the swamp? Definitely uh, excited. I remember uh, the last the last time we played in the swamp. So definitely uh, ready ready to go back out there and put the pads on for that game. Um, and yeah, we'll go back here on the right side. Ventrala, have you played at College Station? And what do you um, you guys are coming there this year? What do you know about playing at Kyle Field? Uh, so I went to College Station um, COVID year, so it wasn't. We didn't get the experience of 12th man, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a personal game for me, so I'm looking forward to that game. Go back to your left here. Ventrell, big game. Game one, Utah comes in. You know, what's the, the mindset of the team? You know, is it just another game, or you know, it's also your coach's first game? So let's talk about everything surrounding that first game versus Utah. Uh, I, I feel like for us it's going to be a big statement game. Um, as you all know, we also had a, a guy uh, transfer over there, so uh, – they got we just ready, ready to play that game, and I feel like it's gonna be a good one. Man. Yeah. How much has a change has there been with the new coach? What has he brought in that you hadn't seen before? Uh, like I said uh, a little while ago, the pen and paper. Right now, everything. Um, uh, he's brought that kind of accountability. He always emphasizes the the first way to lose is to beat yourself. So just correcting it, like penalties, small things, uh, just locking in the uh, little details. That's one thing he's 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 brought. Go back to your left here. Mitchell, you got Jervon right there in front of you. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, last year you go back to the struggles in the, in the run game. How instrumental is it to have an impact defensive tackle playing right in front of you? Uh, love, love Big G uh, being in front of me. He goes up and dominate. He dominates. So it, it makes my job easy. He keeps the lineman off me. So we, we work hand in hand, I feel like. And looking forward to see him play this year as well. And one more about your teammate, probably going to line up beside you a lot of times, Brenton Cox. Mm-hmm. You, you and him are both kind of getting some preseason love right now. Mm-hmm. What does he bring to the table? Uh, definitely excited to watch him go out there and, and execute this year. Uh, be caught a great, great pass rusher. Uh, he, he, he's doing his job. Uh, we coming out, discount. Uh, everybody's executing their job, keeping their head down. And I'm definitely looking forward to see him work this year. Coach Napier doesn't seem like a shouter and a yeller. Is he an even keel demeanor? How would you describe him on the practice field? Yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty even. Um, but when he's serious, you know, you know not to play with him. But uh, just he, he's, he's a serious guy. Um, like I said, he, he loves the relationship part piece of, uh, about the team. So he doesn't really yell too much, but you know, you know not to, yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Ventrell, one more. Go to the other side of the ball. We know Billy Napier likes to run the ball too. How was it going in spring? I know you met, you, do, you weren't available for every practice. Mm-hmm. What was it like going against that run game when you were out there? Uh, I say for me, uh, it was it was great to see uh, just the the different running backs run the ball. Uh, I was happy to be out there my first uh, spring um, coming off an injury, so I, I had a great time um, thudding up runners and just watching the uh, other side of the ball go out and execute. Back to the right side. Are there any concerns or what excitement do you have um, entering the season with a new coach? Um, I'm, I'm just excited. Uh, I feel like we have a, a great group of guys. Um, we got the fan base behind us. So I'm um, excited to go out there this year with, with Coach Napier and, and show the world what we could do. Right side, back row. Hey, Ventrell. For you, I mean, trying to make sure this last year is your best year, you guys got to play Utah, right? They're no joke, top 25 ranked team. Why is it such a good test for you guys to start off with a strong opponent first instead of playing somebody like a USF or somebody you guys normally beat up on in the state? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, 
I feel like it's just going to test us, test us early, uh, get, get that game out of the way so everybody has that experience, know what to expect to come in when you come into the swamp, 90,000 people. So I, th I feel like it's going to be a good test, and I'm looking forward to it. Is there a better place in the conference in the swamp? Not at all. Not at all. No other place. No other place better than the swamp. Okay. Any other questions? Uh, one more. Yeah. Sure. Venture, honestly, man, just your journey. I mean, this is what your sixth season? Six, yeah. At yeah. Florida. So just everything you've seen. This is your third head coach uh -huh. since you've been there. So just kind of take us through your journey. Uh, definitely just uh, being open to change. I feel like that's, that's uh, one thing that I've learned. Um, from different coaching staff to NIL, transfer portal, all these different things just been happening. So just, just being open to change and keep, just keep going and uh, getting better each and every day. Look, I said it earlier, the defense will improve for a whole lot of reasons. First, starting with scheme and coaching. We know the upgrades there, but leadership on that side of the ball was lacking last year, and it will be big for Ventrell Miller to, to be back out there, brings a lot of experience, brings a lot of leadership as well. Uh, so much experience that he stepped right in at spring in this new defense and showed out in limited time. You get to go back a bit. He was missing some time in spring uh, because he was trying to finish some classes. So his class schedule uh, interfered with the practice schedule. But when he was out there, he was very, very impactful. Florida missed his leadership last year. As we saw counter after counter ran on this Florida defense. They can never settle down. He can bring that. He can bring that out there on the field. Now, I'm really looking at it because he's going to have to be one of the main playmakers in the first couple games of the season. Utah comes to town. Kentucky comes to town. Their styles of offense and what they like to bring to the table in that physical brand of football, Ventra Miller is going to be one player we are going to circle in those first couple games and one player you're going to have hopefully a whole lot of fun watching. We're going to need to see a lot of him making plays, and maybe even making up for whatever happens at defensive tackle. You heard him say how much he likes uh, having Jervon Dexter in front of him, but there's, there's going to be times when this defensive line gets stonewalled or they can't get into the backfield, and he is going to have to be the one, that next line of defense, that's going to have to beat a block, shed a block, and make the play. Go make that tackle. There's going to be a lot of one-on-one -on -one opportunities for Ventrell Miller against Utah and Kentucky. He's going to have to show his worth early on and going against those styles of offense. It should suit him. This is where he has excelled in the past. Those offenses that want to run the ball pretty heavy uh, there towards Ventra Miller have struggled. He's racked up tackles there. And probably for there for, for him, one next step is maybe not so he, – he's there in position, maybe not so much letting the runner come to you, but attacking. Filling that hole, maybe even getting into the backfield. But – one player, I think, as soon as that season came, when Florida's under the lights versus Utah and Florida's under the lights versus Kentucky, you are going to hear Ventro Miller's name a lot. A lot. So, all right, there we go. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Big thanks to Peter Burns, Braden Gall for their time in Atlanta. Coming up on Gators Breakdown, recruiting will be a big focus coming up. So many targets deciding in the next week or so, starting with Malik Bryant on Saturday. Uh, that one will be worth watching. We'll get into it a bit more with the other big names next week. Uh, maybe the fallout uh, uh, of Bryant's decision, whether it be Florida, whether it be Miami, whether it be Alabama. Uh, we'll be taking a look at that 
Uh, reminder, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you're here with us on the end of this episode of Gators Breakdown. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown, all the SEC Media Day coverage. I uh, was trying to bring you right here, and uh, we'll catch you next week for another episode.